podcast they played nobody it's week zero we have football we can talk about football right now it is week zero <laughs> do we need to talk about your your outing are you you're on fumes right now no yeah i mean you know i went on vacation with my wife i crammed it in it was a really uh really bad time to do that but you know it was just it happened that was good any one of you listening who has children knows that if you take if you if you even have a pinhole of time that you can take with your spouse or loved one and and do adult things without children in a different zip code uh, area code you do it you sacrifice the sleep you do whatever and that's that that's pretty much what i did so uh i got to play adult for a couple days i'll put it that way um, bill by kind of going back in time hey man it's week zero it's week zero whatever there's college football there's college football there's college football kind of thursday I night event. i got real fired. i got real fired up and then i pulled up lsu.net and i was like oh it's it's like week zero. It's like negative 0.25 week. The first official game of the 2018 college football season is uh, Evangel University taking on Southwestern Assemblies of God Thursday night Yo. on ESPN3. It's actually on ESPN3. Friday. or So, no, no game on Friday. You know, that's just that's just a... Time-honored week zero tradition, Bill, of course. Um, you have – should I just run through Saturday, basically? So it starts yeah, at 4.30. That's, that's, that's what we've got to work with, so let's uh, run through it. Uh, I'm going to run through it real fast. Uh, Duquesne and UMass, Jacksonville State at North Carolina A&T, Prairie View at Rice, and then your FBS um, – oh, I mean Rice is FBS too, but I mean like your FBS on FBS crime. Hawaii, Colorado State at 6.30 Central Time, God's Time. By the way, those of you who are just joining this podcast family, we everything from here on out is on Central Time. It's yes. the best time zone. You will deal with it accordingly. It is our time zone. It is LSUfootball.net's time zone. Correct. And that's the real answer, honestly, because if I were to move tomorrow, I would still go by what LSUfootball.net says, um, slash TV schedule dot HTML. Um, and then the uh, the final one, the big one, the PAPN Bowl, which had we had any foresight whatsoever <laughs> um, and also been able to just really hoodwink our company out of a lot of money, we would be at Wyoming, at New Mexico State. But, Bill, first, this is Podcasting Play Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. We're so eager to talk about said college football that I almost forgot the show intro. Also, I haven't slept. My name is Stephen Godfrey at 38 Godfrey. That is the robot Bill Connolly. He is the inventor and proprietor of the S&P Plus analytic system, writer of multiple books, consultor of multiple math things. I see you out there talking all your preseason jibe with all your cool analyst nerds. Um, it's always real funny when they when they like wrote me in on these conversations. I think it's just a pleasantry. Um, like, oh, your bumpkin cousin that you do that little radio thing on the internet with. Ah, oh, Bill. It's here. It's here. It's here. Um, I will give, I mean, really it would be a crime, honestly, to this podcast if we didn't, but I will give, let's go, we can find five minutes. We can probably find 10 worth of content about the actual football on week zero. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, is that a challenge? Yeah, I think it's a challenge. Okay. I mean, I think it's a challenge. Um, unfortunately, when you actually talk about real news, uh, the first thing that jumps to mind is the health of Mike Bobo, the head coach at Colorado State. That sucks. That's not a fun thing to talk about. 
Um, Colorado State, this is the second, maybe third year in a row uh, that Colorado State has been on in years, uh, year, in week zero. Um, interesting play. <laughs> interesting play in Fort Collins. Um, second year in a row, I know for sure that they've hosted a game in week zero. Weather's obviously very nice, just oh, north yeah. of just north of Denver. Beautiful, beautiful town if you've ever been. It's going to be super fun. I keep telling Arkansas people because they have a game scheduled there this year that it's going to be a really good time. Um, this, I'm so rusty, Bill. I mean, do we do we talk about the matchups? Do we uh, talk about the long term stakes here of Hawaii, Colorado State, Wyoming, New Mexico State? I will just give you a short rundown of uh, what my thoughts are on each program. My matchups are they feel a little a little over my head uh, at the moment. Yeah. But um, what we know about these teams: number one, Colorado State is. You know, they kind of underachieved last year. They were good, uh, or I should say when they were good, they were tremendous, but they Mm -hmm. got some unlucky breaks in close games. They only went seven and six. They went seven and six for the third straight year. uh, And what I thought might be by uh, like a potential top 30 kind of breakthrough year. Uh, So that stinks for them. But um, but they still have a very talented team coming in. Lots of like low to mid three star guys throughout the lineup. KJ Carter Samuels, the Washington transfer and brother of former Vanderbilt quarterback Austin Carter Samuels, um, who is now. Ooh, can I can I jump right? Can I jump in right there? I posed this on Twitter, and this is how badass our listenership is. So. KJ Samuels and Austin Carter Samuels. Mm-hmm. I asked because Austin, before he was at Vanderbilt, he was at Wyoming. Yeah. And so that means you will have now had starters for brothers who have started at quarterback for, for hardcore rivals, real rivals, not license plate rivals, true rivals. Right. And I asked on Twitter, has this ever happened before? Thinking I, I you know, really, really thought maybe it would be some like obscure thing from the 30s. It's happened a couple times. Can you think of any time it's ever happened? I was just kind of letting the listeners take that one, and I did not spend a single second of brain power on it. So, no. Do you know that it technically happened in the SEC? Uh, sure. I do now. The leaks. Tennessee and Florida. There was a leak that played quarterback in both. What was the dude's name of Tennessee? I've... It was uh, it's CJ and then... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Chris wow. Lincoln's. Yeah, okay. it, it happened. Okay. I was impressed. I was yeah. very impressed with that. Um, this and then the other time, game. it was like it was like a bunch of random stuff. But well, this um, threw me off my game. So um, my sorry. spiel. Last season, KJ Carter Samuels at Washington completed eighty percent of his passes, eight of ten. Um, he, but he is a, he's a, you know, six, two, 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 twenty four star quarterback, uh, who just kind of got caught behind Jake Browning, um, at Washington and never, you know, that was just like the four star backup the whole time, barely played. Uh, but he's quite good. I think, uh, he's got a, he's got a nice, uh, option in the, in the receiving core in Ola B. C. Johnson. Uh, they've dealt with some suspensions. A good, a guy named Rashad body who was probably going to be the second stringer, uh, has some sort of weird suspension thing going on. And, and according to DonBest.com, by the way, my first citation of DonBest.com backslash NCAAF backslash injuries. Go there for the best injury report on the internet for college football. Uh, they said he's, he's questionable with a suspension. Um, 
Not really sure what that means exactly, but either way, Izzy Matthews and body and, uh, you know, maybe a younger guy like sophomore Mike Marcus McElroy will share the backfield with Curtis Samuels. This is a very new backfield and it's a mostly new skill core. Uh, Michael Gallup is gone. Uh, lots of, uh, uh, you know, quite a few of last year's targets are gone. Three of last year's starting offensive linemen are gone. Uh, the defense returns quite a bit. Defense should be all right. Defense was terrible last year. So the bad unit will get better. The good unit will get worse. And for Colorado State, you just have to hope that those things balance each other out and you can continue playing at a you know, top 40 or 50 level. So um, I assume just the potential of top 40 or 50 is probably better than Hawaii has to offer this year. Um, speaking of turnover, they lost Drew Brown to a grad, a grad transfer to Oklahoma State, and that's that's very unfortunate because he, he had a nice year last year, and uh, he was a nice surprise a couple of years ago when they made a, kind of an out-of-nowhere bowl run. Uh, but he is uh, in he, – he went from Hawaii to Stillwater. Um, Deosomy St. Juice, they're really, really, really good running back, 1,500-yard guy, gone. Uh, Dylan Colley transferred, I believe, to BYU. Their second-leading uh, receiver, Amon Barker, gone. Um, so lots of turnover on offense on both sides of the ball, and they're starting a week early, and uh, chances are it's going to be a little on the sloppy side, and I assume Colorado State will be better. As we record this, Mike Bobo is still in the hospital, yes. which is a pretty pretty unorthodox situation there. Um, hospitalized with numbness in his feet. Um, which, you know, kind of a weird thing. I mean, and I I say this as a preface to could be potentially very serious, but um, not a thing that you hear about, especially in the rub some dirt dirt on its, you know, (laughs) psychological minefield that is like coaching mentalities, especially for their own bodies. But you, um, you kind of worry, you get the, you get the, impression that if a if a head coach especially one like Boba one in his situation where Colorado State did underperform this was a guy who I thought a lot of people had almost automatically pegged as getting that SEC job by now or or maybe going into like 19 or 20 um doesn't really have the resume yet at CSU to do that or to get that next level job um really well liked still in the state of Georgia, all the run the damn ball Bobo jokes aside. Um, but uh, it, it is really strange. The numbness in his feet thing. That's that, that, that could be potentially terrible. Um, might not coach this weekend. We don't know, at least as we record this. So um, not sure how much that affects the game specifically. Um, yeah. You never know. I mean, it, it, you know, win one for the Gipper or complete loss of leadership. And you, I, hey, I, I don't even really acknowledge it because it's just who the hell knows. I can say this of all the week zero week one matchups in which we don't know whether or not the head coach is going to be on the field. (laughs) This one is actually a sympathetic story. So that's nice, right? That's nice. Uh, Hawaii. Yeah. What's, 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 what's Hawaii doing? What's, uh, what's, what's going on with the Hawaii? Not a similar path to Colorado state. Uh, just it's normal sort of hiccuping self in Hawaii. And that, um, I like Nick Rolovich, like what they're doing. Uh, attrition killed that first year. Yeah, attrition is uh, attrition is tough. Yeah, they had attrition a lot of is, last year, and um, so the, you remember that when story? you're on the when you're on the island, ba. The, the, let me tell you, the, the attrition's better on the island. I was trying to come up sure. with like a witty marketing okay. slogan there, especially when Oregon State's visiting. Ew. <laughs> so um, 
If you remember, it, like the the one time that Hawaii's name kind of popped up in the off season, it was when it appeared that Oregon State sent accidentally sent mailings to the 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 football office recruiting Hawaii's football players. If I remember correctly, um, obviously some sort of odd screw up there, and they got slapped on the wrist for it. Uh, but because it happened to Hawaii, it was particularly. You could like Nick Rolovich came out on fire about that and swinging back hard and and really putting up a fight in part because he's lost a lot of guys to transfer and not the kind of I'm unhappy here I want to find a different coach to play for but just more like I want to go somewhere where you can win more games is is with the kind of the transfers they uh, dealt with and so uh, what was supposed to what appeared like it might be decent continuity this year. Uh, is gone. Like they had uh, something like, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, eight guys, eight offensive linemen um, with st- who, who ended last year with starting experience, and five of them are gone. Uh, three of their top four, no, no, uh, five of their top seven receivers are gone. Their top two running backs are gone. Uh, their top, their quarterback, as I said, was gone. Their top three defensive linemen are gone. Uh, half their secondary is gone. Um, we're, a lot of turnover here. And he, he brought in transfers of his own. Um, but it's, it's really tough situation here for, for Rolovich. That job is just hard. And, and he's gotten a pretty clear reminder this year of, of why it's hard. So uh, we'll see what they have to offer. Whatever, whatever they have to offer, they'll probably be <laughs> – they'll have a better understanding of what they've got in, say, October or November than uh, mid-August. Bill is uh, of, of this rich and deep and highly anticipated Week Zero schedule. Mm-hmm. Is Hawaii, Colorado State a better game than Wyoming and New Mexico State? Uh, the best game here might be Jacksonville State versus North Carolina A&T. Um, but no, I would say Wyoming, New Mexico State, that's two potential bowl teams right there. And at best, we can probably say that it's one in the Hawaii, Colorado State game. So uh, our, the PA you know what the most the headliner, the main event. It's, it's, it's so – I was looking the right, for the right word. It, it's so comfortable to get to talk about my beloved University of Wyoming Cowboys and not – it's comfortable not have to not having to deal with the Josh Allen thing. Oh my That's God. the word. It's comfortable. it's comfortable for me. I'm just happy to have, by the way, uh, I don't have an NFL podcast to share this little tidbit on. So I will just say that I, it's very interesting what Brian Dable is doing with Josh Allen and Buffalo right now. Um, it's like he's yeah. trying to build him from scratch here. Just throw as many six yard completions as possible. He's completing. I don't remember what it was, but something like 55, 60%. I, he was nine for 13 the other day, led a couple scoring drives. Everybody's really excited. Then you realize, wait, he averaged like six yards per completion and his long pass was nine yards. So that's not, don't throw him in the deep end just yet, but it really is kind of like they're basically building him from scratch. Like, okay, once you get confident from this, we'll, we'll move on to level two and we'll see what you can do from there. Um, but I still wouldn't start in week one. Anyway, Wyoming. Salty. The anti-Josh uh, Allen crusade continues. I like it. Uh, no, I, I'm, imp- I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. I just don't trust him yet. Um, but it is a funny situation with Wyoming because you've seen as people are starting to at least get these week zero games on the radar, you know, what will they have in the post-Josh Allen era? era? After losing so much offensively, what can they have to offer offensively? Well, their offense was terrible last year. Their defense was awesome, and that's why they won as many games as they did. Defense returns almost everybody and should be very good again. Uh, so I, I, I think, um, among other things, the Josh Allen hype last year kind of distracted us from the fact that their defense was great. Uh, and, and now they get back a couple of really, really disruptive linemen and Carl Grandison, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Johanna Guyfan, I think. 
maybe. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've heard that name said out loud. Um, good uh, disruptive Wyoming named linebacker and Logan Wilson. Um, and a really nice, uh, really, really nice safety in Andrew Wingard. So they've got a lovely defense, um, and they're going to be taking on a, a rebuilt New Mexico State offense, um, which could be, you know, could present some issues. For my beloved Aggies. That's right. But I put respect on their name. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. We got a question. So, yeah. We got a question. I'm going to dig it up. Okay. It's not the Ask PAP question segment yet but um this week zero thing it did just sort of appear i don't really remember this happening yeah i don't know where it came from we had it was like a bunch of people started saying it at once um matt sable asks at underscore matt or sorry not uh at matt t sable do you need an exemption or a reason to play week zero games? And if not, why don't more teams do it to get exposure? Um, you, if you play Hawaii, there's a, you get a 13th game. Mm-hmm. There is nothing stopping anyone. Like at Hawaii. I think it has yes. to be at Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, there, there's nothing stopping anyone, I guess. I don't um, think there is. Yeah. It just doesn't from seem like a, a good idea. Yeah. From moving a week up. Um, I'll put it this way. CBS Sports Network, very happy. ESPN, very happy. Um, anytime you can spread this inventory out, they're very happy. Um, and for Colorado State, I mean, let's see. They play – they're going to play nonstop until September 21st. Then, or no, through – wait, hold on. 24th, 30th, 7th, 14th. Okay, yeah, so through the 21st of September. So five games in four weeks, basically. Uh, and then they get a bye week. And then they play four straight. And then they get a second bye week um, before the Nevada-Utah State Air Force finish. So, I mean, in theory, that's it, it could be worth it to get a little television revenue and, and uh, spread your bye weeks out a little bit. I mean, you could certainly spin it positively anyway, even though – the, the the rustiness potential uh, of having to go earlier might kind of backfire a little bit. I would be okay with this. I would be okay if this became a trend, and I would be okay if you're looking at 2019 and 2020, and there are, let's say, let's say 15 to 25 more games that we're talking about on this Saturday. I would have absolutely no problem with it. Um, it means more college football, so people could be happier about that. I think it just it it widens the consumption time, so. I don't see why anyone would disagree with that. It, it, if you're some hardcore purist, which I don't even know what that means anymore because <laughs> the sport just changes itself. I mean, it just, you know, it, it will iterate in a second, but also like, you know, this is, this is college football. If someone dangles money the right way, they're going to just tear everything down and rebuild it. So <laughs> what if it was just like, let, I mean, maybe it was a G5 thing or, yeah, I, no, I, yeah, I, I mean, I the FCS has been doing it for years. Um, but if they did it, great. Uh, we would get to consume more football, like you and I specifically, Bill, because we're like, I'm going to watch Hawaii, Colorado State, Wyoming, New Mexico State, maybe even portions of Rice. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to do that the following weekend. No, and I think that should be the requirement. Like, you can play week zero. There's no uh, any sort of, uh, you know, you don't need to be granted the opportunity. You can do it yourself. But – uh, you can't be a P5 unless you're playing in Australia. <laughs> the, so the only way that a P5 gets to play in week zero is if they're the, in that Melbourne or Sydney game or whatever. Uh, otherwise, leave it to FCS. Leave it to FCS, which has a limited slate this time. Jacksonville State, NCA, and TSA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
leave it to the leave it to those guys let them get a little exposure here uh that's perfect that's awesome because like you said it's well it's like we were saying about week one too like how it's a pretty weak schedule doesn't matter to me because i want to be watching it like uh, like leave the heavyweight stuff for later on i'm gonna watch either way and and, and you know i get a chance to watch wake forest and tulane play on thursday night uh not exactly a headliner but hell yeah i'm gonna watch wake forest and tulane play while flipping back and forth between that and northwestern purdue and ucf uconn and probably New Mexico State, Minnesota. New Mexico State, by the way, plays twice before the first official Saturday of the regular season. So one thing Conference USA could do, and I'm thinking about them specifically because yeah. they're having attention and identity issues and all this. So so take this week and go and you can do what I'm about to say. This is possible. You don't have to take your quote-unquote rivalry games, but if you know you have an FAU or a Marshall situation where they were undefeated a couple years ago, and you're trying to bolster national attention, why wait until October yeah. when, you, when you start trotting this out to the national media and to you know, market these games? Don't take, so, so don't take the FAU-FIU game or whatever. What if you took FAU-Western Kentucky? Good game, right? Yeah. Put it in, put it in week zero. Why not? Why not, do that? why not do that with three of your games? Starting new, the noon, then the three, and then like the six, and and uh, I'm pretty sure CBS Sports Network would have control of those games at first. So create a triple header on CBS Sportsnet. I'm I'm in. I'm trying to, as I talk this out, think of the potential pitfalls, but it's not like the cable networks themselves have any inventory issues on this particular weekend. I like it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, and again, like leave the P5 games for later, but uh, otherwise I'm in for whatever they want to do this weekend. Bill, how much of this will you actually consume this weekend? Uh, I'm not completely sure because I will be with Bud Elliott in Vegas for the International Football Betting Conference. Um, I can wow. guarantee I'm going to go out of my way to find a spot at, at a sports book to watch why I'm in New Mexico State. Um, but, but, well, actually, I mean, even that's going to be a little earlier in the evening than I would prefer. But, no, I'm going to yeah. – I'm going to, unless there are obligations, I'm going to be sitting in a sports book, hopefully watching all of these at once. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Week Zero before we move on? Do try to catch some of the Jacksonville State NCA&T game. A&T was awesome. The best of the uh, HBCU had to offer last hang year. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Here's what we're going to do. I love doing this to Bill Connolly. You guys ready? <sighs> Here's what we're going to do. Hang on. Let me get my phone. Bill Connolly, you have 60 seconds to sell me on this game starting right now. Jacksonville State is one of the best uh, FC, consistently good FCS programs in the country, uh, which means they could probably hang very well in a Sunbelt-like conference. Uh, you, so you're watching technically FBS-caliber football there. Uh, and then on the other side, you've got NCA&T. You've got uh, probably the best HBCU team in the country last year. Uh, new coach this year. Uh, what's his name? Broadway retired, I believe, uh, after winning last year's Celebration Bowl. Uh, but the a- atmosphere should be pretty good. You've got it on ESPN. You've got it on ESPN, ESPN. Not even like ESPN U or whatever. You don't have to search for this game. It's going to be the first one. If you remember, oh, it's Saturday. There, there are games on. Well, uh, where, where am I going? I'll start with that ESPN. Boom. It's on there already ready for you to go um 
good atmosphere, high, reasonably high caliber football, high quality football, probably more than say Duquesne at UMass. Uh, although I do think UMass might be pretty decent this year. I'm not going to, you know, stomp on them, but uh, solid, solid game, probably higher quality, higher combined quality than Prairie View at Rice. Let's put it that way. That's time. I gave you three seconds because I had to reach for the cowbell. All right. It was good. We might turn that into a segment. Don't watch Prairie View at Rice simply because it involves a Rice, uh, an FBS team, Jackson. Don't State. be mean to Rice. I, well, first of all, it's on, it's on like ESPN Plus, so you might not even be able to. Uh, uh, but it, Jacksonville State and NCAA and T will be worth your time. Don't boy, you're so mean to Rice. Why? Well, well, once they get back to being FBS quality, I won't, but they're uh, not quite there yet. All right, Bill, let's pay some bills, unfortunately, by talking about probably the most depressing event in human existence right now, and that would be Shutdown Fullcast uh, at, live at the Rich Theater in Atlanta on August 31st. Um, you and I are contractually obligated to be there. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how that happened. Um, it's because I didn't pay attention to my employment agreements. It's much like the iTunes thing that you just click agree on. Um, tickets are almost sold out. It's Friday, August 31st. Uh, starting at 7 p.m. It is in Midtown Atlanta. Um, as I have, as it has become a bit of a meme, please come to what I think is the world's greatest city to see what I am certain will be the worst live event in human history. Um, it is the Rich Theater, uh, one more time, in Atlanta. You can go to eventbrite.com uh, and search shutdown fullcast. www.preownedairboats.com. Please do not encourage this bill. Uh, if you, for some reason, need $25 to disappear from a checking account, um, if you feel the need to give money to strange, um, destitute-looking individuals with, with disheveled appearances, and also Spencer, um, yeah, we'll be there. And look, like we don't want to lose money on this event. So like, think of it as charity to us to, to reward us for, not, for, for going and make sure that we don't lose money on this stupid event. The silver lining for this, what is undoubtedly, undoubtedly going to be like at best a audio version of football bum fights is that the company and a lot of people in our company who have absolutely no idea, like let alone what, what full cast does, but SB nation are looking at doing more live podcasts. So the silver, the silver lining is that other uh, more organized, more logical, more coherent podcasts that you might be listening to at this moment um, could be put into this pilot program instead organized. of organized in, instead of this just trash fire. All right, um, Bill, I'm going to Vegas and Atlanta in two weekends. So my my only opportunity for escaping town before the season starts, as you just did, yes. is going to be like a trip to Kansas City in like the middle of next week. But that's that's fine. That's fine. Speaking of travel, Bill, I'm about to turn your non sequitur into a transition because wow. that's what I do. Um, we have a little bit of a programming change this week because you were going to be in Las Vegas. Yes. Um, explain to everybody what they're going to hear on this podcast feed. It's happened before. Yes. But again, as we as we climb the ranks of listenership and reputability. Yes. So right now, uh, right now I'm averaging one of these per year. Hopefully that changes, but, uh, sometime either Thursday or Friday when it's finished on my, as I'm flying to Vegas, uh, you will get in your feed a, an episode called great sports city, Miami. 
Um, I last fall sometime in like September or October, I did a great sports city pilot, uh, from Oklahoma city because I was already there and pilots are done cheaply. Uh, but I, it was probably the most well-received thing I've ever done. Uh, so if you, if you Google whatever, uh, podcast ain't played nobody Oklahoma City or something like that uh if you didn't listen to it you can check it out there you will have a Miami episode of this uh format sometime on Thursday or Friday hope Mm -hmm. you like it if you do send me profuse compliments so that I can do more of them uh we're still working on all that but there will be hopefully a couple more in the pipeline in the coming weeks or months or whatever but yes Miami will go up later this week um again this is kind of like a it's your side hustle Although I guess our podcasts are supposed to be our side hustle at work right, or whatever. Exactly. Like if it's I a side, side hustle, is it just right back to being a hustle or? Um, if you like it, uh, uh, please give it some attention. Please give it a little love on social media, mainly so Bill can launch it into a, I wouldn't say full time, but uh, something that we could do concurrent to something, PAPN. Something that is funded. The end. Just hand, just asking for money as usual. Um, we will go back to the regular schedule next week, um, except for the fact that the S&P Plus recap is going to start at the end of week two. Yes. Don't blame me. Blame the numbers. So, yes. Yeah, so, next week, it'll be like a Tuesday, Thursday thing. Uh, the week, After week one, it'll be a Tuesday, Thursday thing. And then it'll be a Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday thing from then on out. So, one more time, your Sunday recap comes at the end of week two. Correct. Don't blame me. Everybody's asking on Twitter where the Sunday show's at. It has to do with the S&P Plus. Bill, would you like to explain why the S&P Plus is slow to gear up? Uh, because week one isn't over till Monday night, basically. Um, that, that, that's, that's literally the whole thing. So technically, we could have our, our Sunday night show on Tuesday instead of our normal Tuesday show, but it, that'd just get really damn confusing. Yes. Uh, and, after, and also, after week one, not much movement. Uh, the system is not designed to move drastically after one game, and so there's not, gonna, there's not necessarily all that much to talk about anyway. It's sort of smart. It's not that you don't factor in week one, but I kind of like that we don't do it, Bill, because it, it, it reduces the histrionics of week one. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. We were talking about this. We were talking about this completely unrelated to PAPN or the best and P plus, but uh, my colleague, your colleague, Richard, um, we were kicking around ideas since we're all going to be in Atlanta of like Washington and Auburn. I am pumped for this game. I think like in terms of quality to me, it's one a, and then LSU Miami is one B. And the reason why I think is because there's there's a little bit more volatility and uncertainty in the football sense with LSU Miami, whereas like Auburn and Washington, I think you'd put your money down and say those are two, oh, yeah. um, those are two damn fine football teams, as yeah. Lester Miles would say. So uh, the problem is I don't know how to tackle that game in in really eighty or ninety percent of likely outcomes. You know, one team wins, one team loses, but then blowout margin, major injury, whatever. It is week one. We do this every freaking year. We do it too. It's not something I can scold fans for on Twitter. It's not something I can get on other people about. The media does it just as bad, if not worse. It's week freaking one. What do you say about it? It's awesome that we have these Titanic matchups and everything like that. It's just we don't have perspective. We don't. Right. 
No, I mean, we get to, we get partial answers, and that's fine. Well, and, and I mean, that's fine because, you know, whether we are talking on Sunday or Tuesday, we're going to be reacting to what we saw, and we're probably going to be overreacting a little bit. But the bottom mm-hmm. line is with the Sunday show next week, uh, we would be doing it during LSU-Miami and before Virginia Tech-Florida State. And that just, you know, how are you going to react to a week one when, like, two of the five or six biggest games haven't been played yet? So, well, I, I just mean more of the, the general narrative is that I, I just think there's more of a knee-jerk, especially if a team takes a loss. I think – Washington, look, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now, Bill. The loser of Washington-Auburn is not out of the national title picture. Nope. So don't do anything stupid. In, a one in, loss, like, a, a, in four years, a one-loss power conference champion has been left out of the playoff once. And that was the Big 12's one true champion back in 2014. So, And I swear to God, if any of you hijack what Bill just said to make fun of the Pac-12, I will slap you with an open hand, like an old-school movie slap. Like backhand or, or front hand? I mean, I might find a glove to take off and do it that way. Okay. And Backhands are always good because you don't really see those coming. To and fro. Noted Pac-12 homerist, Stephen N. Godfrey Jr. Okay. Washington could still win the national title. In fact, they could see Auburn in the playoff. <gasps> Galaxy brain. It's very possible. But it's if they look possible. like crap, if they look like crap in that game, then we probably will overreact a little bit. I guess. Um, any thoughts, by the way, on the uh, yet another Atlanta game announced today? Georgia and Oregon in 22? It's like trying to follow 2020 recruiting right now. Like, great. That's great. <laughs> it might be worse. Later, I don't give a crap right now. I've got games to worry about over the next, like, well, in, in like three days' time. So, yeah. let's just, uh, I'm just hitting pause on that one. The biggest thing is it's not home and home. Therefore, we don't even recognize it. Right. No God of mine. No God of mine. Uh, Bill, did we record a show since the LSU-Clemson series got announced? I do not believe so because um, we complained about LSU-Florida State, and then after yeah, that, they, exactly. listened to us. they listened to us and said, okay, well, fine. Hey, Clemson, what's up? Uh, and they, they did it all because of us. Very proud. Very proud. More of that, please. Less of everything else. More of that. W- winner is officially Death Valley. Did you see, like, I think um, – a bunch of people were real quick to, to pick apart who was, which school was embracing the double death valleys and which one was like skirting it and saying like, we're, we're the real death valley. Love it. This is why <laughs> you the sign petty. these games, man. That's, that's the petty that we've been missing in life. It is. I mean, I'm, Oh, I love that stuff. Bill. Yeah. Hard transition out. You ready? Mm-hmm. Southeastern conference power rankings. Not going to pull it up. Yeah. Gonna just uh, close my eyes and be a genius at college football. Number one, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Number two, Georgia, and that's your tier one. Uh, that's two thirds of tier one. <gasps> what? All this, all this talk last week or whenever the hell that was about how we we don't appreciate Gus Malzahn enough, and then you do that. I thought we kissed Auburn's ass pretty well on the last show. I know, and then you forgot about them. No, I was making a point. Um. Mm. Your tier one is more than the national title game. Explain. Because, I mean, what do I need to explain? Auburn beat them both. <laughs> like, and, and they return a salty bill talent, and they're, gonna, they're a potential top five team. So Auburn is absolutely. Uh, a little inside baseball moment real fast. This is one of my favorite Bill Connolly times of the year. The man, has, <laughs> the man starts his preseason coverage in late January. Okay. Um, the man is putting up with your dumb, slow ideas before you even think them by like March. 
when you're talking late August, you have pissed him off beyond belief. It is fantastic. I love God. I love some late August Bill Connolly. It was kind of fun on Sunday. Uh, so I put this out, I believe, on Friday, the SEC Power Rankings. And on Sunday, uh, the SB Nation College Football account tweeted it out, kind of as, a, I think, like the full top 14 list. Spoilers, way to, way to make them not have to click. But um, within it, this was, this was really impressive. I, Kentucky fans got mad that they were ranked behind South Carolina because they'd beaten South Carolina four times in a row. But it was fun because I was going to yell out about my rankings on a Sunday. So it really felt like it's already, you know, like mid-October. I was about to say, it's like the leaves, the leaves have already turned. It was a scrimmage is what it was. We were all just kind of, you know, fighting, but not all the way invested in it. We're just kind of feeling each other. Light contact, you know, no pads, no pads, just, you know, maybe some shells. I did have to point out that South Carolina is capable of beating Florida. So that kind of ruined their argument a little bit. But um, there it is again. I love August Bill. August Bill is so mean. But I like I like it. You don't act look. You don't act this way at any point in the year. You're the one who always has to buffer off me being a dick to everybody. And August Bill is so tired of all y'all shit. I love August Bill. So I I was worried though. Like I like well, I wasn't worried. I was prepared for South Carolina fans to be mad at me because I had them in tier three. Who cares? Uh, so, and I, I, after putting out a South Carolina preview that didn't basically announce that they were going to go 10 and two, I got, I got yelled at by a few South Carolina fans. I got, you know, uh, it was a little, a, a little combative and that's fine. Uh, I didn't get yelled at about any because I distracted them by a naming Debo Samuel, the best offensive player in the league and then B defending their honor to Kentucky against Kentucky fans. So really it turned out they didn't have anything. And then when our power rankings, when, when the SB nation college football preview package goes up, uh, some point this week, not sure when, some point this week, uh, you will see that I have South Carolina ranked higher than the AP had them. I think this is because, you know what I just realized? South Carolina has been to the Final Four more recently than Kentucky. Nice. That's that's where this is coming from. I, 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 wow. I wish I'd have had that nugget in in the old brain the other day, but. uh, So you could have, so August Bill could have gotten even saltier. I appreciate it. Here's your tier four. Let's work backwards because you know it's Alabama. And <laughs> we who cares? Right half, but yeah, yeah. Let's go. Uh, tier four: fourteen Vandy, thirteen uh, Tennessee, twelve Kentucky, eleven Arkansas. Just a cluster of cluster of mid south teams. I forty touches most of their fan base, with the exception of Kentucky getting up to sixty five. But just uh, exactly what you would expect there. I'll put it that yeah, way. I, I almost had Arkansas in tier three, but then I realized that all the other teams I had in tier three had, I think, like top 15 potential. Like, not that they would be top 15, but they could. I don't see Arkansas being top 15. I couldn't justify that one. Arkansas, this is a Godfrey offseason staple. I'm going to say it one more time. By the end of the season, Arkansas fans are going to be very, very excited about 2019. Yes. But tier three in, in September they could slip up against Colorado State in North. Texas. Oh no! In September they may get drug. I mean they, they may be they may be over. Uh, tier three, n- number ten. Uh, wait, I don't know if they play an FCS team. Don't just don't even tweet me. I'm yeah, trying to be I think nice. they do. I don't. We'll, we'll go. Whatever. We'll, well, you know, shit happens. Tier three, ten, Florida, nine, Ole Miss, eight, Missouri, seven, Texas A and M, six, South Carolina. South Carolina fans should love you. Six. I mean, six. T- basically tied with two other East teams. Um, I do think that is one area. 
looking at like the the preseason polls and everything else, it does seem like the consensus is basically Georgia one, South Carolina two, and then Florida three, Missouri four. Um, I would say that two, three, and four are very, very, very close together. There, um, I got uh, of the the responses I did get for these for these power rankings. Having Florida tenth surprised some people. Um, I would I will say this. I, I don't. They were terrible last year, so I don't completely. It's maybe Dan Mullen is is a lightning in the bottle situation. He's a good coach, but um, I so I look. I just looked bad. at tier three. I looked at tier three, and I was like, "Damn, Texas A and M's at seven. That's too high." And then I'm like, "Well, who do I put above them?" Mm-hmm. And I don't have anybody. Yeah, I mean, any of those teams in in tier three could. I mean, the whole point of the tiers is that you could shuffle them all up and roll them on the ground, like roll them like dice on the ground, and however they, whichever order they show up in, is it makes perfect sense and is is, you know, it wouldn't be all that surprising. So, um, I mean, you've been, shoot, got, you've been shooting you know, a lot of dice lately, Bill. I mean, I, I grew up rolling dice and making my own little. Uh, board games and baseball games and odds and stuff. I had much more of the image of a back alley. No, perhaps throwing down a a little cash writing down odds for like, you know, if I roll a 12, the guy hit a home run and stuff like that. I'm really trying to add to your mystique while you're, you're trying to, no, I'm trying to add to my nerd mystique. So I don't know what you're trying to do over there. Um, March on soldier NM or Florida. Let's put it this way. NM or Florida will overachieve by a decent amount. But when a guy is entering his first year as head coach, I really just kind of, I play things pretty safe. So uh, I just started saying, I don't know on the radio. People are like, every first year head coach in the Southeastern conference, people have asked with the exception of Moorhead, because we love Moorhead. I was just like, I don't know. I really don't because I don't. Tennessee could be fundamentally historically bad. Or Solid. he could he could do all of this like boorish, you know, uh, you know, rent a saving stuff, and because they maybe like beat a, a Florida team we don't know about either by a field goal, it's like proof of concept, and they're like maybe five and seven, six and six, and all of a sudden it's like path to the national title. <laughs> so I don't know Arkansas. I don't know. Oh, Florida is the one I have absolutely no idea about. Yeah, no, they they got the most proven entity entity of the bunch. Even Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he's won a damn national title, but he's still coming off the, a really weird, frustrating year, and he kind of has a little something to prove. Yeah, Mullen just built Mississippi State's too deep to where it's pre- pretty much the best it's ever been, and then left. Um, he seems to be a, whatever his peak is, or he seemed to be there the last couple of years, and now we get to see what he can do. There's no guarantee he's going to succeed, but that made a hell of a lot of sense on paper. Um, and it really could be a year one catch fire situation. I just, you know, again, I'm not going to predict it because no, most of these teams aren't going to come anywhere close to whatever their optimistic fans are saying right now, but like one will, and we'll see which one that is. I just, that roster is a mess. Yeah. They got to have a quarterback, which um, is kind of a thing. I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of um, feedback on the Reddit about my disregarding of Florida or just outright writing them off. I'm not. We just don't know what they it's are. Punting. It's just punting on them. Like, yeah. what, what could we possibly actually know about this team at this point? There is a clear line and no joke. Real talk. Everybody take a knee for a second. Get an orange slice. Um, we built the whole show around cutting out all the shittiness in narrative and media for this sport. So we have Bill invented a proprietary system of stats to, that, that tries to eliminate assumption and conjecture. Fair to say? 
Sure. And I have always tried to say, hey, you think it's this, but it's actually this. Or, hey, you didn't know this, but you should know this because it will either better your knowledge or appreciation or analysis in the sport. So that was sort of the whole reason this podcast came together. Within, within that framework, there are times in which, because you've written about this ad nauseum where, hey, even the numbers can't understand this one thing. Or I'll say, hey, even knowing this coach or, or even having uh, access to this program, or, or we still don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. To me, the bigger asshole in the media is the one that just says, like, it just has a rote boilerplate answer for every situation, every analysis, everything on, you know, talk radio, whatever. Like, I think it's just okay. I always, I don't, I do less and less talk radio now. And I know you don't do a ton anymore, but like people are always blown away where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's okay to say that. I'll be honest with you. You want an inside secret here? I think there's a lot of coaches right now, like in this conference and also in, in, in the power five that are taking over such similar situations. Hey dude, they don't know either. That's the one thing that you might be the most shocked about. If you yeah. went behind the closed doors with coaches, a lot of times they're like, well, Maybe. just think about how many times. I don't know. Think about how many times, like uh, two years ago, Clay Helton enters the, the season uh, Ooh, with good. Max Brown as, as his starting quarterback. Like he had the entire offseason to figure out who was better, Brown or Sam Darnold, and he chose Brown. And ha- like halfway through the very first game, he goes, oh, crap, whoops, uh, and puts Sam Darnold in. And it's pretty much, you know, well, no, 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 it wasn't the first game. But, like, by, you know, he inserts him for whatever that was, the Utah game in, like, week four. And suddenly they're Rose Bowl caliber national title level team. Like, you, you – it's, it's amazing to me. And I – this is where I like to think that some sort of like analytical approach can help. Um, but it's, it's, I, I don't even know specifically how that would be. Cause there's just this player development angle who will actually, you know, to avoid too many cliches here, but like who, who, who actually performs under the lights. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many things that you just have no idea about, no matter how many practices you've gotten, no matter how many times you've talked to these guys, no matter how many times you've been able to <laughs> just sit and think about what your team's going to look like. You end up like half your assumptions are wrong. You find out when the season starts. Um, and it's amazing. It's, 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 it makes this sport absolutely fascinating. But, I mean, if the coaches don't know, the numbers aren't going to know everything either. Uh, one of the things that our, our listener, like our Florida fan listeners, not just like people who heard my take out of context, one of the things they pushed back on was just sort of me like, I don't remember what they said exactly, so I'm, I'm saying this. I'm not quoting directly, but like buying into or, or you know, drinking the Georgia Kool-Aid or whatever. I'm not. I, I don't care about Georgia, nor do I particularly hope to see them succeed or fail. It, that, that's what I'm being told. Is that I'm like every person I talk to in the industry says, wow, how about, how about Georgia? How about what they're doing? So anytime I hear that in unison, then I'm just going to, it's going to lead me to believe that, you know, somebody kisses somebody's ass once, whatever, but six, seven, 10 times. And and I should even say kissing ass is the completely wrong thing, the wrong way to say it. It it is a begrudging, angry respect for how Georgia's changing the landscape. And I think a lot of Florida fans are now kind of waking up. Like I said, they would and looking around and realizing that the whole, everything's been rearranged landscape's completely different and they're not happy about it uh, yeah i mean there's not a whole lot to enjoy about a second death star uh, under under construction in the sec uh but it's not if really- georgia whoops their ass i've said this on three shows now if georgia whoops their ass in jacksonville bad 
then then we start having the conversation out in the public where it's like a dumb segment on SEC Network and dumb segments on various okay. other dumb pieces of media. And this is I'm just like, telling you. Like, and I'll, I'm going to pretty much, unless Florida wins, I'm going to pretty much ignore this year's Georgia-Florida game because – it's year one for Mullen. Georgia stunk in well, sort of Georgia level stunk uh, in in Kirby Smart's first year too. So this is like a free, full on Mulligan year. But yeah, we will definitely overreact to it. If it's, but uh, I do think that I do think there's a, a lot of Florida fans who 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 don't necessarily expect Mullen to win this year because of the situation, but do expect for him to show some sort of tactical flourish or something right. that is Just able show, to stymie Just Georgia. Give us hope. You know, yeah, similar, similar to the way that, that Auburn was able to counterpunch them for a second. That's what they're expecting. Um, maybe not an actual win, but I'm just saying if Georgia comes in and just absolutely just steamrolls, um, it will be similar to the heights of the Spurrier and the Meyer eras, uh, except, you know, with the shoe being on the other foot, and they aren't going to like that. Well, Auburn whooped Georgia last year. Yeah, so. without a doubt. Georgia's not perfect. Um, we are... I get where the, I get where a lot of that criticism is coming from because there's some big old flaws and, and Death Star is the best way to say it because those those dudes left the exhaust port open, um, without a doubt. So um, I, I might actually finish this countdown. Uh, tier two is oh right, right. <laughs> I I'd almost I almost instinctively started to move on to ask PAPN. Okay. Uh, tier two is Mississippi State and LSU. Or sorry, LSU five, Mississippi State four, and then one, two, and three, as we already said, is Bama. Georgia and Auburn. Um, yeah, no complaints, no qualms there. I think a lot of people are going to say that you have LSU too high. Uh, actually, more people, I think just seeing it spelled out, everybody knew that, you know, everybody's talking about Mississippi State being pretty good, but seeing it spelled out like that, everybody went, oh, huh. But, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't put them any lower. Obviously, they have a first-year effect as well with their new coach that who, who we like and whose butt we kiss, it feels like sometimes. Um, but – that too deep is absolutely loaded. And now if they, if, if their new head coach can offer anything like an offensive boost, like he did, like Moorhead did when he took over at Fordham as head coach. And like he did when he took over at Penn state as offensive coordinator, if there's any extra boost coming from the offense, defense should be lights out. And so that's a absolutely a top 10 caliber team and LSU. I mean, I've already said what I want to say about LSU that let's not over, let's not overthink this one. Their schedule is brutal. They could be a top 20 caliber team and go like seven and five. So there, there is that on the table, but let's not pretend like they, they, this still couldn't be a good solid version of an LSU team with decent quarterback play and good running game and awesome defense. Like that's if, if there's competence in quarterback, that's a top 15 or top 20 team. They're just, you know, this year is going to be one where they play a lot of other top 15 or 20 teams and starting with week one. Hey listeners, this is Luke Thomas, show host at MMA Fighting. If you like mixed martial arts and combat sports, you should check out our weekly show, The MMA Hour. Each Monday, we speak with the top athletes of MMA from world champions to rising stars. We also bring you in-depth analysis on technique in our Monday morning analyst segment where we talk to some of the brightest minds in the game. Plus, we answer your questions regarding the latest news and headlines of the world of professional fighting. Find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now we ask PAPN. Yes. As always, you can get your questions to us. 
usually for the Thursday show. It's different this week. We already addressed it. Calm down. Hashtag SPAPN on Twitter, or you can go to Reddit. Uh, that would be R backslash P-A-P-N. Bill, who's going first? Me or you? <laughs> well, we got uh, Stephen Hale at I am Stephen Hale asking. Hashtag oh, God. I know. Yeah, I know what this is. What is a men's spider enhancer thong triple bleep ring? Um, shout out to Brett McMurphy for doing <laughs> I thought, I, hey, let me stop here. I thought we were going to make it the whole show. I did. We are putting this out. I, I'm not sure when this will go up. I don't think there will have been any Ohio State news yet, officially, when this goes up. But it, it's coming. It's, it's, it's approaching. And so, um, boy, it's been a... The reaction on Friday um, was probably what you would expect. Um, probably the same reaction you had amongst media. Like uh, the media reaction was the same as like a normal person, just sort of. Howling. We are of course talking about Brett McMurphy's latest reporting on the Zach. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even. Which I assume everybody to. knows about if you're listening to this show, but it was right something. Um, it was are weird. You- it was um, it, it was everybody's howling, kind of freaking out for obvious reasons, the details and everything. Um, and then it was funny. Um, <laughs> funny in a in a in a kind of sad way where I think everybody kind of stopped right about the same time. Both the way we discussed it at our at our website, the way um a lot of people at other media outlets were discussing it privately amongst each other. It, it, everybody at about the same time stopped and said, "Like we can't, we can't push this. We can't." Like we can't blog about this right. explanation or aggregate it. Um, <laughs> no, it was like everybody's first reaction was this is a, like just all caps, holy crap, et cetera, et cetera. And then like 10 or 15 minutes later, you're like, why, why should I know this? What? Well, well I had two journalism professors um, in that I was DMing with at the same time talking about where's the, like, where's the newsworthy hook on this? And really, actually, before we go there, Bill, one of the things that we kind of recalibrated on after the sensationalism of like the objects and the items, and like they were the, Ooh, the they were sensational. The, and it well, the, and let's also you know let's not forget the dick pics in the White House and all that stuff. So, um, you know, after the initial shock, you start thinking about like what is the one? This is all rooted in, in domestic violence. Like we the, we're on this bizarre ride because of a domestic violence. Yes case and when i realized that, i had stopped thinking about that for a second is when i yeah ah uh, this isn't right we shouldn't be. um this isn't the petrino thing or i'm trying to think of a, a more palatable sex scandal in college football um you know th- th- this is inherently rooted in uh physical and mental abuse over years and years and years now it, it, i think it's pretty obvious i i, I mean I, i'll couch this with it's my opinion or whatever like this is retaliatory stuff from the ex-wife who mm-hmm. had the uh the purchasing history from the amazon account slash probably access to the iCloud that right. zach smith used yep. um for photos and everything else like it, it's pretty obvious that you piece this all together and then the motive for doing so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. um I don't know. I, 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 it was something that we decided basically not to touch. Yeah. Um, and it's something I think was 100% the right thing to do. I am not, this is not shade at McMurphy. This is not in, not, not in defense of anyone at Ohio state. 
I'm not saying it should or shouldn't be in the public domain right now. I don't know. I will say that I, it's one of the few sports stories where, like I said, I was DMing with some, some journalism professors talking about, well, what's the hook? What's the relevance here? Why is this being, you know, how is this not just agency for one side? How is this actually relevant to the domestic abuse case? How, what does this say about, you know, why are you saying this about Ohio State? Not so much what does this say because you, you know what it says. Um, there are answers that are hard. To, I mean, I, I, they're hard to find. I don't know. Um, but it was really, really, really weird. I'll say this, um, just for some transparency for our listeners and readers. Had I brought that story to SB Nation, I don't think, I think they would have shut it down. Oh yeah. In fact, I would say almost certainly they would have shut it down. Yep. Now I, I will like knowing how these things tend to work and knowing how there's always going to be backlash against the accuser. This is a very, I'm not even saying this is a good or bad thing. I'm just trying to express it. Um, this has been a very coordinated, like multi-pronged attack to make sure that uh, the you know the, the 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 person the accuser says is the is the bad guy and who certainly doesn't seem like a good guy. Um, it's been a multi-pronged attack, like like something we haven't really seen before. Like you just assume every single time Ohio State is ready to announce something or do something. <laughs> there's the next there's the next report that brett murphy pops out uh about um things he did wrong or whatever and that's different this is very different than how these things usually go and it's uh that, i'm just gonna stop there shikar gupta our, our boy shikar didn't have a question just wanted to uh he said i appreciate i appreciate y'all reading my question about player safety this last episode hopefully it didn't come across as self-righteous as a usc fan i did feel like i didn't verbalize myself very well last week when i i brought up the question to talk about weight training he, he basically you know we're all the the player safety thing workouts summer workouts and all this stuff um it's very easy as with our fan hat on to start to, to say, to, to, to say things as fans and not necessarily as, as passive observers. And so I felt like I didn't, I didn't want to make it sound like I was saying Shikar, our boy Shikar was being self-righteous. I just uh, like, those are kind of, I didn't get that. Okay, good, good, good. good. So anyway, I, I just mentioned like, I, it's, it's a very tough line to, to uh, not cross there when it uh, when it comes to sounding self-righteous but whatever it is a, an important issue so anyway i just wanted to mention that no 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 self-righteousness for you shikar gupta uh you ready for your saving order of the week i found it okay. uh right as uh as as it's been negotiated between the warring factions of our um as our, of our listeners we do one saving order now a week okay bill Connolly, are you ready for your saving order synergy king on reddit saving or New Year's Six Bowls this year among USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Texas. And he would like to add, this was designed in a lab to be as disgusting as possible. Saban. We, we really do need to clarify that we don't actually hate Notre Dame and Michigan. That keeps coming up. Shut down full cast is trash, but Michigan and if you cheer for Michigan or Notre Dame, we don't. It's not personal. I promise. Um, you jumped on Saban right away. I think so. Two I, and a half. I, let's. I mean, all of these teams have obvious NY six potential. Um, but if we're if if we need three of the four to make yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It's because it, it's going to end up being two. Yeah, one one to two, one to two. Nice, probably some pretty nice bowls for everybody, but New Year's Six, one to two, I think. Well, oh, New Year's Six. 
Thank you for, okay. See, Synergy King wrote NY6 and my brain read NYD as in New Year's Day. So I'm like, oh, I mean, like, somebody could crap it out to the cap one. No, no, and no. And then no, I no. realized it's, it's New cap. Year's. Yeah. It's, all four of these teams oh, I'm totally will be playing in the Capital One Bowl. In- yeah, I'm totally going saving. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, hmm. Yeah, th- there's no way. Not if you're talking about two and a half and needing three teams. Because... I mean, Notre Dame and Michigan playing each other. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in Notre Dame down the stretch. And um, uh, I, I would feel okay about Michigan and USC. Yeah, in USC par- has, in partner bowls. USC probably has the second best chance of reaching a um, or of of winning the pack the, the their conference title game. And so, yeah, they've got the second best chance overall. They can absolutely uh, make the the New Year's six, but that's you know, no, I no two max, two max, without a doubt. Um, all right. While we're on while we're on the Reddit's, um, yeah, <laughs> this one was already answered by a different reader, and the reader is correct. So I just wanted to acknowledge it. Uh, swip it, S W I P E T asks, what coach? Uh, swipe it, swip it. Anyway, what coach would be most likely to have a Twitter burner account? Uh, another user responded to all of them, and all of them is the correct answer. I guess, you know, I saw that when I was scrolling through, and I was thinking, like, you know, sometimes when Under we're... Under a certain age. Yeah, but, like, when we're digging through this stuff, like, um, you know, really trying to... Like, I love all y'all, and you ask great questions. Sometimes I'm trying to avoid a little redundancy, but I was thinking, like, what could I add here? I mean, I don't know, like if if head coaches are keeping burner accounts, because like, what are you doing? What are you doing with a Twitter burner that you need? You need a Twitter burner account for specifically as a head coach, because you should be able to farm most of that off to like a subordinate. I think. Well, but if you want to see it for yourself. Then a subordinate's gonna, you know, not necessarily fit the. But you could just do. I think you could do most of that through your own account. You just don't comment, like, or follow. But then you don't get. It doesn't feel like you're truly using Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. All of them under a certain age, I would be willing to bet a very high percentage of them. At least sixty-seven percent. That's not all. So I mean, I guess that that makes it. uh, Let me. All right. Let me say this. If you had asked the percentage of assistance yeah. at FBS, I'd say 100% because they are – that's layers now. So few, now, I mean, you really, want to, like, you really want to get into it. You're talking about layers. Like, so in a few years when those guys are head coaches, then it's 100% of head coaches. Well, probably. But again, I think at a certain point, most of them farm it out. I don't know. I'm just telling you, like the, the dudes are busier than you'd realize, and I'm, most I'm, of they're they're working 22 hours a day. But they, they, they all hawk Twitter. Like Hugh Freeze is the exception, where he literally sat on his own Twitter account and like searched his name and stuff like a douche. But like a lot of people really, really keep arms distance from Twitter. Yeah, you're right, though. I, I'm I'm talking myself out of it. I think as 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 we cycle through the generation, I think yeah, you'll you'll have less outright fear of that platform. So I'll go with I'll go with yours. How's that? Sure. Um, Hudson Center, OU Sooner fan eleven. You've said coaches stay. Uh, you've said coaches staying at one school for a long time, like Kurt Ferentz, is over. 
Is any coach still at their current school in 2026? That's eight years from now. If so, who? Well, it's – I don't remember saying like – Well, Kurt Ferentz has been over. at Iowa for a – I mean, how long has Kurt Ferentz been at Iowa? Like a, a two, two, 99, I think. So. More than – yeah, way more than eight years. Yeah. No, it's it's not over. It's just it's it's rare. Uh, it's extremely rare. And it's, and we had a little thought exercise a few weeks ago about who's going to be in their job ten years from now or whatever. And we pretty much established like the, that the entire Big Ten West might still have the same head coaches pretty much. Um, you know, with with Christ, with Ferentz, with Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, etc. Uh, so it's going to happen. I mean, that, that, you know, that's eight years. And, and so a good handful of whatever that would be, six, eight, 10, 12 coaches will still be in the same jobs. For one of them is probably going to be um, Frank Solich. If I had to put money on like – Frank Solich. If I had to put money on like the, – well, the problem is everybody talks about like, like, okay, Solich or, you know, Kirk Ferentz or Bill Snyder. And I'm sitting here thinking from the top down – national title contenders. But if you told me in eight years that both Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley are still at their jobs, I'd believe you. Yeah. Uh, Peterson. Definitely. I'd believe you. Um, We're both at their jobs a lot longer than eight years. Yeah, totally. Um, Willie Taggart. I'd believe you. Um, yeah, no, it's it's not over. Like let's, Kirby let's, Smart, let's, definitely. That's going a little a little far, but um, most of those jobs will cycle out because that's the way it works. But some won't. I think the weird one that Hudson may be alluding to here is like that mid. It, it's a hell of a lot harder that I now that I think about it. You could stay for a long, long time as a dominant Bob Stoops type at a dominant program that can afford you job security, ten wins, multiple appearances, national title, right? You won a national title, et cetera, and then you can stay for a long, long time like Rick Stockstill at Middle Tennessee, right down mm-hmm. the road, right? Um, I think it's – Kirk Ferentz is so interesting because Iowa has never really, really gotten into a national title conversation before. But he's had so much job security and is really, like, loved. And Iowa fans love him. Yeah, they're so, frustrated with him like, like a family member at this point. Like, they know all of his flaws and they get it. But, I mean what – if, what, if what if Will Muschamp – what if Will Muschamp is still the head coach at South Carolina in eight years? Are you shocked? Mm-hmm. More than some others we could name, but it, it, it wouldn't be a, like mind-blowing or anything. What if – I'm trying to think of a Big Ten. The problem is divisions are so lopsided because Iowa sort of is – It's. A, like what if I mean Fitzgerald, right? You just you would count on it. Um, what if PJ Fleck is still at Minnesota? There is a years? chance that he gets like typecasted in like the big, big, big jobs. Even if he wins, the big, big, big jobs will be kind of scared about you know the Mister Energy much, guy. Too much rah rah, right? And so there's a chance that happens. I would be a little bit. He's he's lower on my list. I'd be pretty surprised, but um, I mean, I guess there's a chance. The point is there's only one Kirk Ferentz. I think that's what we can take from this question. Well, two. Pat Fitzgerald is the other Kirk Ferentz, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Oh, God. That's such a wonderful insult. Well, no, but only sort of an insult. I mean, he's going to have a uh, Northwestern more steadily successful than anybody could have imagined who was alive in the 80s. Uh, So it's only somewhat... Even if he's never threatened for a national title, it's there's a there's a compliment in there. Bill, there's an alarm going off right now in my earpiece. 
Um, it's the fact that we haven't talked about Wisconsin yet. Zach Baker asks, how many games can Wisconsin lose and still make the playoff? Uh, and then in parentheses, he wrote, win all except for an early road loss is probably in IMO. Uh, one? If, yeah, if it is included with a Big Ten title, then you get one. Like I said, if you... I think two. I think it's possible. I'm not saying likely. I'm saying uh, it's like could happen. I don't think they like they would not be at the top of the two loss pecking order with the schedule they've got. Let's put it that way. Like they would need what if, a lot. But what if they just drilled an undefeated East champion in the in the uh, in the conference title? Well, okay, let's put it this way: if they yeah. lost at Michigan by one point and they lost at Penn State by one point, and they destroyed East champion X, especially if it's like a rematch where they could kind of, and they win, you know, whatever it is, 38 to 10 or something. Yes. Yes. That scenario, they would be at the top of the two loss heap. I'm pretty it sure. Sounds, it sounds eerily similar to LSU's 2007 argument of undefeated in regulation. I like where your head's at. <laughs> dirty, dirty. Two loss, two loss team. Uh, how have they done so far uh, in getting into the playoff? Not good. Into the playoff? Not good. Yeah. Not so, good. So one. One, one is my answer. Because, I mean, a one-loss team that actually won the Big Ten this year, unlike last year, one-loss team, number one, that means they beat an Ohio State or whoever in the Big Ten title game, and they beat either Michigan or Penn State on the road. Uh, that's a damn good re- uh, resume right there. So they're probably mm-hmm. – Bill, I got a question for you. It's going to hit um, to the core of PAPM because it's Uh-oh. G5. Uh, Fernet Bronco at Buster Bronco asks, if Boise doesn't make a New Year's Six Bowl – should Boise fans consider this to be a failed season? Is that a reasonable expectation? No. Let me just say this. If they don't, I say it's a failed season. I also say don't fire anybody because you're Boise and it's hard. And one of the reasons why Boise was so successful under Chris Peterson was an, a level of understanding and a dedication to consistency in like digging around, doing the weird, hard kind of recruiting, and then doing – a yeoman's job of player development once they get to Boise. And you need all of that, so don't don't make a change. They lose at Oklahoma State. They win the Mountain West. They finish 12-1 and one and ranked in the top 25. Well, they'll probably um, be the G5 at large then. Unless there's an undefeated champion somewhere. Like if, if, if there's an undefeated team from the AAC mm-hmm. or even a one-loss team from the AAC, they might did get... You, wait, did you just set up a one-loss FAU versus a one-loss Boise? Well, I said AAC, so no. Um, no, I just meant like I jumped ahead three spots. Well, but, but I, I was mean, just thinking yeah, like, technically, you FAU know, loses to Oklahoma and then runs the table. Well, they showed well against Oklahoma and wins out against everybody else. Like I think FAU probably gets the nod. Maybe I don't know. Like we'll, well, among other things, FAU. I think they play UCF too. So. Um, They'll have been able to get that kind of semi-marquee. Yeah, they play at UCF and at Oklahoma. So if they're 12-1 and one at the end of the year, they went undefeated in Conference USA and beat either Oklahoma or UCF. So they're pretty good. Um, so, no, there's, uh, there are clear scenarios on the table where Boise State was an excellent top 25-level team and didn't get a G5 bid. I don't, wanna, I don't like setting goals or setting, you know, if we don't do this, it's a disappointment when you don't have control over the scenario. Um, like, just be really good and win the Mountain West again, and that's a good year. Yeah, next. This is an amazing one. Uh, JP Swain at Two Pints JPS. How did Jeff Jagosinski go from winning 20 games in two years at BC, no less, to never being a head coach again? Dude, I saw this question and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, I do know a little bit. 
Uh, you go some, first because I know a little bit too, and I, I, maybe we completely overlap. He was some sort of attitude dynamic issue thing where ADs didn't like him. Like I had heard I that. The, the AD basically said we want like don't don't ask like don't ask for a raise. Don't ask for, don't interview for other jobs. We need consistency here because um, it felt like he was always kind of looking. I think that was the the impression I've gotten talking to BC fans is from the moment he took that BC job, it felt like he was looking for his next job. Um, and they basically <laughs> yeah said, everyone who's ever done <laughs> everyone who's ever and he took an interview and they said when oh, you fine. when you do really really well at the stair step job. It's because you never treat it like a stair-step right. job. Even though in the back of your head and you and your coaches and all your boys, like you know it's a stair-step job, okay? But you just got to treat it like, yeah, we could win a national title at Houston. I'm here, I'm here 10 years. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. exactly. No, and so like, I, and that's a pure hearsay on my part. So I don't want to like take that as gospel, but it kind of fits if you do look at the rest of his. So he went from there. Uh, he did get the Tampa Bay Bucks OC job for a year. Um, but then he made an interesting career choice of, um, well, no, I think he was, hold on. Oh, no, no, no. Something. He was with the Bucks. He was with the Bucks, but he, he got, he, I don't think he lasted the full season. I think he got pushed out real early. Like some, oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Wikipedia is telling me the answer here. Uh, Jagosinski was hired as the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on January 29, 2009, following the promotion of Raheem Morris, uh-huh. uh, who had been elevated to head coach following John Gruden's departure. On September 3, 2009, the day before the team's final preseason game, the Bucs announced they had dismissed Jagosinski from his role and replaced him with quarterbacks coach Greg Olson. Firing came due to concerns about Jagosinski's ability to communicate plays in a timely manner. Morris offered to let him stay on as quarterbacks coach, but Jagosinski declined. Yikes. Um, the next April, he was introduced as the head coach of the Omaha Nighthawks and went three and five uh, and was done with that job. The next year, or then he was off for a year. He came back and he was the receivers coach for Ave Maria College, which is a thing. Um, the next year, he, he apparently did well at Ave Maria because then he went back to, I remember t- writing about him uh, being Georgia State offensive coordinator for a couple of years under Trent Miles. And I have no idea what happened after that. Um, so basically it appears he was maybe a little difficult to work with, uh, and also his window closed and he did not do a very good job of reopening it. So, um, that's a weird career though. That is not any sort of linear whatever, because he was like those BC teams are good. Um, and he just, he, he messed around, lost that opportunity and then never did anything to earn another one. It happens. It's rare, but he did kind of fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. Bill, two more. Uh, okay, go. Oh, I thought you were. <laughs> I, I'm on Jeff Jagosinski's Wikipedia page. I'm, I'm not in any. Well, I'm going to do this just. Be, I'm going to do this just to fire back at you. One, it's a callback to the first segment of the show, and two, um, I think you need to be nicer to Rice. Uh, our friend Carter at RTRFND says, um, and this is technically a Sabinor, but I just really want to say, basically, he wants to know how many seasons. I'll just lop the Sabinor off. So yeah, don't get pissed off. But uh, how long before Mike Bloomgren gets Rice back in a bowl game? Um, that's a good hire. Um, it's a hard job. And um, it's hard for me to talk about Rice and not instantly make the Vanderbilt of G5 comparisons. And I don't mean that in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean- they got to get focused. They either got to they gotta decide if we're going to do the college football thing at this level or not. They, 
It is a hard job, and it was kind of it's it's like pushing a boulder up a hill, right? I mean, uh, I I love the job. Um, uh, uh, oh God, I've lost his. Oh, this is where we need to end the show. Um, David Bailiff, God. Uh, I love the job that David Bailiff did, but uh, eventually that boulder got a little heavy and started rolling back down on him after a while. Um, to get them, they, they went seven and six, ten and four with a conference USA title, and then eight and five the next year. Twenty-five game wins in three years of Rice is incredible. It's they amazing. went five wins, and they went three wins, then they went one win. So they are they are right back starting from scratch. I know their facilities are better. Uh, did, you know, Bailiff kind of parlayed that success into a, a little better situation, and I mean on paper. You know, he's, he's, he came from uh, Stanford. Like, he knows the smart kid school being good at football uh, recipes, so to speak. But it's hard. It's just – it's hard. You have to be awesome to, to be good, basically. And I, I don't – like, a guy who's never been a head coach before, you have no idea if he's going to be awesome or not. If we crap on and laugh at people who just automatically want to pluck any Saban assistant in the world, apply them to any situation, I think that you have to at least be skeptical of yeah. someone saying we're going to be the Stanford of X because right. that's that's also equally hard. Um, yes. And Stanford is equally unique in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Um, they, they were very, very young last year, so they're going to have an experienced squad. You know, they were all freshmen and sophomores. Now they're sophomores and juniors. That's... That's the best I can do. Uh, it's going to be a struggle. And if he's really good, then he'll have a good product. But they were 128 in S&P Plus last year. Uh, Jesus. If Prairie View, their opponent this week, uh, had been in FBS last year, they might have been about 128th too. So, uphill battle. Last question, Bill. Make it a good one. Ooh. Um, <laughs> okay. This, I want to save this one. I love this one, but I don't, we don't have enough time. to. Somebody asked, uh, first Mac team to fly the Jolly Roger. <laughs> Um, I'm going to leave that one to listeners actually tell give listeners. If you're still in on this an hour, homework, homework, uh, tell me the first, uh, Mac team that's going to fly their Jolly Roger flag, uh, that every Mac, I love this idea. It's, it's so stupid and wonderful. Um, every Mac team has a Jolly Roger Mac flag that they are to fly, uh, in celebration of any non-conference win or upset or just any non-conference win period. I think, um, so awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think it's cool. Um, I have absolutely no idea who's going to do it. Yeah, no. And, and we're trying to, Here, here's where we edit out a long pause as I try to. Okay. Well, uh, here's another Mac question. We, we went in the spirit of week zero. Um, Joshua C. Pruitt at Maze Jacket asks, who is the next Mac head coach hired for a P5 gig? Is it Candle? Is it Creighton? Doesn't seem to be as many Mac candidates for a P5 job this season. Ooh. Um, why? Uh, yeah, maybe not in 18. Um, it, it, only takes, it only takes the right kind of 10-win season, though. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can see it. There's not a fleck. There's just, yep. you know, a door in a, you know, if like it's, it's not it's, candle. It's really tough. Cause I mean, just walking through here, Akron's got Terry Batten. He's not gonna get a P5 job. Uh, Ball right. State, Mike new really, really struggled last year. Um, no, that's Green, not Mike yeah. Jink really, really struggled last year. I mean, Lance Leipold, if Buffalo does as well as they could do this year, that would be kind of interesting, but I think he needs to do it twice before he really starts to get any sort of major hype. Um, well, and it's also well, it, it, that, and it's also like, well, where? Right. 
Like, I, I mean, I love Lance Leipold, and I'm, I was really curious. I was excited that he took an FBS job. I think it could stop, start paying off for him this year, but, yeah, it's still going to be a little while. Yeah. Central Michigan, John Bonamago. No, probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan with Chris Creighton. I mean, if he does gr- amazing things this year, then possibly, but I think uh, we'll see. Kent State is starting over. Uh, Miami, Ohio with um, Chuck Martin. Yeah, probably not. NIU, uh, that could be an interesting one. Because I do think uh, NIU is going to be really damn good this year, like top tier level good. And Rod Carey, you know, had a couple of great seasons after replacing Dave Doran. Had a couple of very not great seasons. Um, I think they started bouncing back this year. So we'll see. This is a weird Mac resume where you start off great and then you fall to seven, five and seven, and then you dig yourself out and start doing well again. That's almost like a I don't know, like a Gary Pinkle style long term resume. So maybe he gets a look eventually, but probably not in 2018. Frank Solich at Ohio, no. Um, I was about to ask jokingly, is this the year that Solich just says, you know what, I'm getting back into it. I'm, I'm right. jumping back into the power five. Well, they, um, I mean, they, they could win the Mac, but no, probably not. And Tim Lester at Western Michigan, no. So if it's not Jason yeah. Candle, I don't think it's anybody. This uh, if it's not if it's not Candle, then Carey maybe. Um, but again, if you're if you're looking at Carey after this year, and NIU is anything less than ten and two, then there's been a hell of a lot of volatility in the market. Yeah. So. Um, this is a big year for Jason Candle because, I mean, they lose Logan Woodside. They lose Terry Swanson. Uh, receiving course should be amazing. They lose a couple offensive linemen. Uh, good, most of their front six. Um, so if they were to win the MAC this year, uh, that shows that he's built – he's got – he took what my, Matt Campbell left and kept the machine rolling really, really nicely. So this is – if they do really well this year, it could be his last year. And it'll just hire the next awesome assistant to just keep right on rolling. Because and you know what? If it is a quiet year in terms of Mac uh, head coaches cycling out, I don't think it's a trend of anything. I think it's just an aberration. It's fine. And, and also for the Mac coaches to cycle the way they do, the market has to be a certain level. It has to have a certain level of volatility. So if it's a calm for a year, then those, those G5 conferences are going to quote unquote suffer as head coach develop incubators. Um, but it, it doesn't mean anything as far as I'm concerned uh, with, with the sample size of one year. <laughs> right. I mean, there are the, the ball States and Bowling greens team programs that have proven capable of, of producing higher level coaches. Uh, they both, I mean, we'll see, I don't want to say they failed in their last hires, but they haven't definitely haven't been proven successes yet. And so that takes two jobs off the market. Terry Bowden, you know, Akron's not losing a young coach, head coach to the a higher level anytime soon. So there aren't as many t- programs that have the kind of young up and comer at the moment. So we'll see what happens. In case you missed the BCS, I just realized it's been five years since we watched that stupid Northern Illinois, Florida state ball game where Doran was like in the stands yeah. while Kerry was coaching as the interim and they were getting drilled. Hey, it was, Dave, it was seven points in the third quarter by God. Uh huh. Bill. Enjoy Vegas. <laughs> Me and Bud, go, uh, go Wyoming. Beat your, uh, beat your Aggies. I don't know. We're trying to go to, we're, go we're, to we're, hell. We're, we're trying to keep this thing going. We're trying to make it happen. Um, you, you can't use your phone in a sports book, but if you want to talk a little smack during the game and you can find a way to get on the Twitter, I will be watching that uh, that football contest. I can always hover behind the the seating area where the rules apply. I guess. Please don't get arrested in Vegas. Okay. Deal. <laughs>